Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Hello, everyone. It is almost March, which means it is almost my birthday, which I know everyone is very excited about. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will be too old, but it's fine. Um, last year for my birthday, oh, I hit the button too early. Last year for my birthday, a couple of really great friends um, gifted me with the greatest gift that you can ever be given, and, um, and, and, and that is the gift of being a parent. And I know some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, what? Wait a minute. I know. Guys, last, last year I got a plant, and now I am a single plant dad, and it is incredible. It is a great time in my life. Um, it is a coffee plant. I love it so much. I spend my days moving it around, making sure it gets the right amount of sun. I am watering it all the time. I'm like watching for like new leaves, new growth all the time. I, I am like getting ready to repot it because I think, I think it's almost time to repot it, and it goes into a bigger pot so that it can be bigger. I'm very excited. In about two years... About two years from now, it's going to start growing berries. It's going to start growing fruit in about two years. And then once it starts growing fruit, I'll have coffee beans. It's going to be incredible, guys. I am very excited about this. And you can see, like, look at this guy. Do you see him? Look at that, look at that new plant. Do you see that little, uh, that little leaf there? It's very exciting. Um, thank you so much. I really have put a lot of work into this. And honestly, putting work into a plant like this is incredible because you can see the results immediately, right? You can see that there's new growth. You can see that, like, see that little guy? He's great. That little plant is growing. And eventually, I'm going to be able to see the berries and I'll know that I did a good job, right? I'll know because of the fruit that this plant has that I did a great job helping it grow, helping it, helping, you know, do what it needs to do. And you know what else is cool? Guys, you know what else is really cool? It's kind of the same thing with the relationship with Jesus. Gotcha. Jesus juked. You didn't know it was coming, but it was. Gotcha. We can look at our lives and the way that we think, the way that we treat people, the way that we act in hard situations. We can basically just like look at our lives and see if we are actually healthy Jesus followers. Jesus says this um, in a very famous sermon that he gave on a mountain. Guys, he gave this sermon on a mountain, and guess what they called it? The Sermon on the Mount. I don't know who called it that. It was the worst name. They're like, you know what? This is the Sermon on the Mount. And like, it's, everyone knows it by that. And it's incredible. It was just, he was like on a mountain and they're like, yep, that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's incredible. So this is what Jesus says about this situation. He says this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Here, Jesus is talking about like looking at other people, right? In this, in this verse, he's specifically talking about looking at other people, but we can take that same logic of looking at other people to see their fruit, and we can actually apply that to ourselves and look at ourselves and see what kind of fruit is coming out of our lives. What, what are we doing? How are we acting, right? Are we living our lives in a way and walking with Jesus in a way that produces good fruit? And like, how can we even know, Right? That's a really hard thing to know. Like, can, can I examine myself and figure out, like, wait a minute, am I actually being a good Jesus follower? Like, what does that even look like? How how can I how can I know? Great question, guys. Because the Bible is awesome and it has the answers to most of these questions that that we want, and it's really great. And Paul specifically talks about this problem um, of like knowing like what does it look like to actually be a good Jesus follower? What fruit should we be looking for in our lives? Um, and he talks about it in his letter to the church in Galatia, right? So the Galatians, 
these people, and Paul writes them a letter. And we get the list called the fruit of the Spirit, and we get this in chapter 5. Um, and if you know about it, you know about it. You know, you've been in church for a long time. You've probably sung songs about it. You've probably done some coloring about it. You know about the fruit of the Spirit, right? You guys know about it. It's, it's, it's been around. You know about it. But tonight, we're going to ask a few questions. And these questions are, what, why, and how? Where is Cremora? Just kidding. Um, but first, I want you to hear the main point of what we're talking about tonight. Okay, The main point of what we're going to talk about tonight, if you are like Sam and you're not going to be taking any notes, not boy Sam, girl Sam. Now, if you're not going to be taking any notes and you're like, I can only remember one thing from tonight, this is the one thing I want you to remember, okay? What you garden will grow, okay? Might not make that much sense right now, but by the end, I promise you, this is going to make sense. What you garden will grow, Okay? Hopefully that makes sense. We're going to jump into this first question here. And the first question is, what? What is the fruit of the Spirit? All right. So before we jump into like the easy answer, which is just like reading the list from Galatians chapter 5, we're actually going to talk about the rest of Galatians because this list comes up in Galatians at the end of Galatians chapter 5. This letter has six chapters in it. So it's like pretty much at the end of this letter that this fruit of the Spirit arrives. So we should really get some context of what's going on in the rest of this letter. And to understand what's going on in the rest of the letter, we need to have context for what's going on at the time, like in the world. So when Paul writes this letter to the Galatians, it's really close to after like when Jesus was here. Like Jesus was here on earth. He was doing all these cool things, spitting in people's eyes, you know, dying, resurrecting from the dead, all this cool stuff. And then he just ascends into heaven, into the clouds, right? He just goes away. And then he's like, guys, you have my words, now be Jesus' followers, right? And so a lot of the people at the time were like, all right, like we get it. And like the Holy Spirit's here and he's like helping us understand exactly what it means to be a Jesus follower. But there were a lot of questions, right? Like right away there was like, all right, we're, we're doing, right, we're doing this. So let's, let's figure this out. So there was a lot of questions going on at the very, at the very beginning of, of like this Jesus follower movement, of the Christian movement. And like we're, we're 2,000 years later now and I feel like we're still trying to figure it out a little bit, Right. But at the time, the leaders of the church were arguing, right? And they were, you know, Jewish people because at the time, you know, Jesus was Jewish and he was born to the people of Israel. You know, there's this whole ordeal in the Old Testament. And they were like confused about whether or not is this message from Jesus of redemption and forgiveness and love? And is this for everybody or is this just for us? Because up until this point, the Israelites and like, you know, the Jewish people were told over and over again, like, you guys are really special. Like God had told them that repeatedly over and over again. He's like, you guys are special. I'm picking you. And then, so he's like, okay, I'm picking you. And then he gave them a bunch of laws and rules and ways to live by so that they can be close to him, which was, which was all good. So the Jewish people were, were these, these laws were told them like two things, right? Number one, it helped them be close to God. And number two, it told them that they were like this special little chosen group of people. And they were used to that. They had thousands and thousands of years of following these, like this, the way of living, right? And understanding that they were the special chosen group by God. So when Jesus came and he's like, hey, what I'm going to do on the cross is going to be the fulfillment of the law for everybody. There was, it was a little overwhelming for some of the Jewish people, right? So, and even though this was the plan from the beginning, right? We can look back to Genesis and see that this was the plan from the beginning. When, when God is first telling Abraham, who was like, the first one in his family. Like, it's like, it goes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then, uh-oh, the rest of the Israelites. Okay, that's how it goes. So Abraham was the first one, and he's telling him this promise. He's like, hey, I'm going to bless all nations through you. He says right from the beginning, everybody, right? It was always the plan 
that it was going to be for everyone, which is awesome because that means that the church is super diverse, right? It's for everybody. Every ethnic group, every race, every gender, every class of people, that is the church of Jesus. Um, but they were still kind of figuring that out at the time. And so there's a lot of confusion about like whether or not you had to keep following the law and following all these Jewish customs. And it was chaos. In this chaos, there was a group of Jewish people that were like, all right, we're getting out of here. I'm, I'm leaving Jerusalem. We're going to go to Galatia. So they headed over and were talking to the Galatians. And they're like, by the way, you have to follow all these rules. Okay? You can actually read this whole story. It's in Acts 15, I think. I forgot to write it down. I'm pretty sure it's Acts 15. And you can read this whole story. So they go over there and they're like, all right, guys, to be real Jesus followers, you still have to follow all these rules. So they give them all these rules and like the Old Testament laws. And, and mostly they were focusing on like, the big ones, which were um, circumcision, eating kosher, and not working on the Sabbath. So like, those are the big ones that they were really focusing in on. Um, but the Galatians, not knowing any better, were like, all right. And they started following these rules. And eventually, they started believing that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough, right? It wasn't enough just to have faith in Jesus that you'd be saved. They were like, all right, I have to do all of this work. I have to do all this stuff with the law. And Paul heard about all this, and he gets mad. So Paul's upset because he's like, yo, I told you different, but you're not listening to me anymore. Um, and he writes this letter to the Galatians to like clear up the confusion. And he's like, yo, this isn't true. So in the first couple of chapters, you'll, you'll read, he's kind of telling who he is and why they should be listening to him. He's like, yo, I'm Paul. God called me. He told me. He's talking to me a lot. And then he presents them the gospel, which we kind of present the gospel in a way like we talk about Alive in Five, right? He basically presents them with Alive in Five in like two chapters. Um, it's a little more confusing than the nice way that we've summed it up, but that is basically what he's doing there. He's like, yo, God is love. Our sin separates us from God. You know, the law, we couldn't fulfill it. Uh, so he sent Jesus down and he died and rose from the dead. And then when he did that, all we have to do now is have faith in him and we will be saved. And then Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can live like him. That's an important part. Just, just remember that. That last part is very important. So that's basically what the first couple of chapters are talking about. Then we get to chapter five, which is the big chapter. This is where the fruit of the Spirit is and um, where we're going to spend a majority of our time. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Galatians chapter five, because we're going to spend some time here. So Paul is saying right here in Galatians chapter five, he's talking about freedom from the law, right? Which makes sense because these people are, are being told over and over again that they have to keep living under the rules of the law, living under the rules that were the old rules before Jesus came in and before Jesus changed everything. And he's telling them, like, yo, you have the freedom to live away from the law, but that doesn't mean you get to do just whatever you want, right? Because God still has some guidelines for us, and they aren't really, like, like forced strict rules that you have to follow or else, you know, everything's going to be bad. It's, it's, it's guidelines, right? It's like, this is how you should be living your life if you want to be a good Jesus follower. If you want to be like Jesus, this is the way. If you want your life to be better, he's, he's trying to help us not make a mess of our lives is what he's doing. That's what God's doing. It's, it's very loving. It's very good. And listen to what Paul says about this freedom from the law, but still having to follow God's guidelines. He says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying here is that the heart of the law is still really important, right? Jesus talked about this too. He said, um, I forget who it was. People were asking him questions. And they're like, yo, like, what, what is it? Like, what's the best commandment? He's like, you know what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law and the prophets summarize this. That's it. That's what we have to do. That is the heart of the law, what we're supposed to be doing as Jesus followers. We love God and we love people. 
There's another part of this verse I want to take a look at, and that is sinful nature. What is the sinful nature? What is it? What is it? It is our default state without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit. You know, because when we believe in Jesus, we say, hey, we want to trust in you. You know, come down. I'm putting my faith in you. He sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and it starts changing us a little bit, right? So without that change from the Holy Spirit, our sinful nature is what's, it's what's there, right? And this is what Paul says. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, which the Spirit there, you know, is the Spirit that Jesus the Holy Spirit that comes comes in lives inside of us after we accept Jesus. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. There's a battle going on inside of us, right, guys? I I know there's one going on inside me between this the sinful nature that's like is is corrupt. It used to be perfect, right? And then sin came into the world, and then our, our natures were corrupted, and there's this like gross, corrupt side. And then Jesus' nature is here. And he's like, yo, I want you, I want to make you, I want to renew you again back to where you were into my image, right? That's, that's what's going on here. So there's Holy Spirit in our lives trying to move us one direction while our sinful nature is trying to pull us another direction. It's constant battle of what's just wills, basically a constant battle of wills. I want to follow Jesus, but I often find myself going this direction when I don't want to. Or sometimes it's like, okay, I went this way, and then I go back this way. It's just this constant battle. And it's hard to know. It's like, wh- how, which way am I going to go today, right? If, there's, if they're fighting all the time, it's like, who's going to win today? I don't really know. I, don't, I can't really tell sometimes. But Paul is going to help us out here, and he gives us a list so that we can see. It's like, uh-oh, like right now my sinful nature is taking over. I can see that. I need to you know, maybe scoot back over and let, let the Holy Spirit come back in. So this is what he says about your sinful nature. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature— the results are very clear. Okay, this is easy then. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. This is our default state, right? This is just stuff humans do when we don't have the Holy Spirit to help us along our, our path, along our journey. This is just the stuff we do. And it's broken and it's sad but it is what it is without Jesus, without the Spirit in our lives. But because we are Jesus followers, we have the Spirit of God in our lives, right? We have the Holy Spirit helping us along every single day. And what does it look like? So we have, you know, the fruit of the sinful nature. Now what are we going to have? The fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives. And this is what Paul says the fruit of the Spirit are. We're finally here, guys. We got to it. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this good kind of fruit in our lives. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So we did it. We finally got there. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, there they are, right? It's helpful to know in context what they, what they really are because it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's more a list of outcomes based on how you live your life. Are you living your life with the Spirit or without the Spirit? What you garden will grow. Are you living your life with the Spirit or without the Spirit? Okay, so the next question, we got what? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, we got there. We got to the list. We know what, we know what the fruit of the Spirit is now. But we, why do we care? Why do we care? Okay, so why do we care if we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Well, the number one reason is because God wants us to have the fruit in our life, right? 
He says, Jesus says that we need to love God and love others. And Jesus was the perfect example of this. He perfectly loved God. He perfectly loved people. And the easiest way to follow in his footsteps and be like him, which he's calling us all to be, is to let the Holy Spirit grow the fruit of the Spirit in our life. So as Jesus followers, we should want to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because it means that we're being like Jesus. It means that we are healthy. It means that we are doing all of this right. But I'll tell you another reason. Okay, if that wasn't enough, you know, if following Jesus wasn't enough for you, there's another reason that these uh, that the fruit is gonna is gonna help you in your life. It'll help you with pretty much every relationship you have with your family, with your friends. This, if you have the fruit of the spirit growing in your life, it'll help you make friends. Let's let's look at this list real quick. So let's look at the list of the sinful nature again. Okay, and it can, we can actually split up that like the fruit of the sinful nature. We can split it up into three different categories. So when sin comes into things, it breaks it. So there's three categories that are broken here. So Paul has, the, the first one here is broken sexuality, which is um, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, wild parties. I'm not going to get into this. Stay tuned. So the next one is broken spirituality, okay? So that is, uh, broken spirituality is idolatry, sorcery, and actually drunkenness. So idolatry is like when you put something above God, right? I'll just explain this real quick. Is when you put something above God, a, something in a place of honor above God. And it can be as simple as like, I know I should go home and that I, I need to spend time with God. And I know that to be true. I want to go home. I'm going to pray. I want to spend time with God because I have not done that today. But instead of doing that, I go home and I play 17 hours of Elden Ring. That means I have officially put Elden Ring in a place of honor above God and have made that game an idol in my life. It is very easy to do, and I think we all do it. I mean, I do it often, where I'm putting something in a place of honor where God belongs. Um, and sorcery is, is kind of also like broken spirituality. It's like using the spiritual to get what you want. That's a whole situation. But yeah, it's basically just getting like using spirituality to get what you want and not necessarily what God wants for us. And then a drunkenness has a lot to do with idolatry again, like putting it in a place, putting alcohol in a place above where God is. And also at the time, they were using alcohol in like a lot of pagan rituals and they would do a lot of nasty stuff with it. So that is broken spirituality. And the last one that Paul focuses on here, and the one that I really want to focus in on as well, is broken relationships. So when you're letting the sinful nature, take over your life. This is the kind of stuff that comes out. It's hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfless ambition, dissension, division, and envy. Those aren't great things to have in a friend. Those aren't things that are going to make any relationship that you currently have very good. When you are hanging out with someone who is constantly hostile or has bursts of anger or is, has a bunch of selfish ambition, it's not fun to be around those guys. It's not fun to be around those people. But the fruit of the Spirit is way better, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Those are good things, things that you would want in a friend. And if you would want that in a friend, other people want that in a friend as well. So if you have the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life, not only will it help your relationships, I, I can almost guarantee you that you are going to be a better friend and it'll be easier for you to make friends in the long run. So why do we care about the fruit of the Spirit? Because God wants us to. Number one, if we want to follow Jesus well, we have to care about it. And number two, because it will help us in all of our relationships. So we asked what? We asked why. Now let's ask how. How do we grow the fruit of the Spirit? Let's go back to my little plant, right? How my little plant, my wonderful little coffee plant, that guy. Now, how do you think I grow fruit on my coffee plant? How do I do it? Great job. 
I don't, right? I can't do that. That is outside of my power to grow fruit on something. Like I can't look at it and be like, yo, grow. And then all of a sudden fruit's going to grow, right? That's something that's outside of my power. What I do have power over is, is, is hindering it. I can't make it grow, but I can stop it from growing. I can hide that plant in the shade forever and never let it see the sun. I can never water it. I can make sure it stays in this little tiny pot and the roots have nowhere to go. I can, I can make sure that fruit doesn't grow, but I can't myself in my own power make that fruit grow. And it's the same for the fruit of the Spirit, right? We can't grow any of that ourselves. We can't change our own nature or our character. That's God's work. That's God's Spirit in our lives. Like when Jesus sent it down, he said he's going to help us live like him. That's what he's going to do. He's going to come in and he's, if we let him, he will change us. He will help us. He will grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I talked about how we are in conflict, right, in the battle. Sinful nature versus our spirit nature. What, these, these two things going back and forth. Whichever one we garden will grow. Whichever one we garden will grow. If we spend our time thinking only about ourselves, right? Never spending any time with Jesus. Never opening our Bible or praying, but just constantly thinking about ourselves, doing whatever we want, listening to whatever music we want. When that time comes, when the conflict arises, and, you're, and those, those two choices are up there, like, are we going to go with our, our sinful nature? Or are we going to go with the Spirit of God here? Which one do you think is going to win? The one that you gardened the most, the one that you spent the most time with, right? What we garden will grow. So how do we garden our life so that the fruit of the Spirit can grow? Well, guys, it's a lot of the classics. Let me go, let's, let's go through this. Ready? It's water, sun, soil, prune. Now, I went hard with the plant metaphors here. This is just this is just um, like you know spiritual discipline. So it's nothing crazy, but I went really hard with the plant metaphors here, guys. Just I don't know. It's sometimes it's a stretch. So just be prepared. Ready for this? Water, sun, soil, prune. Water. How do you grow the fruit of the spirit in your life? will water your life with God's word. The more time you spend in the Bible, naturally, the more like Jesus will you be, and the more fruit you're going to see in your life, right? Easy one. The next one is you're going to soak up the sun by praying and worshiping God, right? And this one made sense to me because when I'm praying and worshiping, it's when I feel God's presence the most. You know that like warm, comfy feeling that's kind of like the sun? That's when I feel God's presence the most is when I'm worshiping, when I'm praying. And this is when you spend time with God, you're more likely to choose that side because sometimes I think we just forget. Like when, when, we have, when that conflict arises or like sinful nature or the, like Jesus' spiritual nature is here and I'm like, oh no, like which way are we going to go? Like which one am I going to garden more? I forget how good God is and how when I am following him, how good I feel. And in the moment, I'm like, if I go this way, it's going to be really easy and it might feel good in the very moment, but then it's broken again, right? So I think we forget. So the more time you spend praying, reading your Bible, worshiping God, the easier it is going to be remember what it's like when you say yes to the spirit in your life. Okay. So we did water. We did sun. Now the next one is soil. Make sure you are planted in good soil by having good Christian friends around you and by making church a priority, right? Find a place where you can get your roots down and deep and the people around you are doing the same type of things. The people around you are choosing the spirit side of things and not the sin nature side of things. Because as you see the people around you pick that spirit side, it's going to be easier to also be like, oh yeah, let's do that. And together you can do that. Or if you see someone around you, just pick the other side, you can help them to come back. So make sure you are planted in good soil. And lastly, and the, probably the hardest one, we're going to prune what hinders, right? So when a plant has like a leaf or two that's like dying on it, if you want the plant to survive, you got to cut off that leaf. You got to 
rip it out of there so that you know it does the water doesn't divert to just into that leaf and then the rest of it dies. And this is probably, like I said, the hardest part because whether you want to admit it or not, most of us know exactly, if you think about it right now, you know exactly where you are most likely to give in to the sinful nature, where in your life you're most likely to do. We all have our, our temptations that we know we are going to fall into easier than others and not let the Spirit take control of our life. The Bible says to run away from temptation, right? Get out of there. Bye. Just get out of there. So maybe you're going to have to do some pruning. Maybe you're going to have to cut some things out of your life. Maybe you don't go to that friend's house because you know every single time you go there, you end up doing something that you know you shouldn't. Maybe you delete some apps off your phone or don't go to websites anymore because you know that you can't control your anger when you're online. Maybe late at night, you're looking at pictures and videos that you know you shouldn't, so someone needs to come and lock your phone. during. That's completely fine. Do whatever it takes to garden the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Remember, what you garden will grow. So what are you gardening in your, gardening in your life? Will you let the Spirit of God take control and grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? There's so many of them. Or... Will you let the sinful nature come in and break things? Because it always will. In the moment, it might feel right. In the moment, it might feel good. But it's always going to leave you feeling broken and things wrong. And I promise you, if you let the Spirit take control, your life will feel better. Your life will be better. I know that I need more of the Spirit in my life. So I'm going to be looking at my life and figuring out how I can garden it better so that the Spirit can grow its fruit in my life. So I'm asking you to do the same thing. Let's all grow our fruit together. Dear God, I thank you so much that you sent your son to come and die for us so that we even have the opportunity to hang out with you and to be with you. I'm so thankful that you sent your Holy Spirit down so that you can help us live a good life. Help us live in a way that will make you proud. Live in a way that we were meant to live from the beginning before everything got all broken and messed up. So right now we are asking you to help us Garden the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We are asking you to help us choose your side over the brokenness over and over and over again. Help us to love better. Help us to have joy when it doesn't make sense and peace when it doesn't make sense. Help us to be patient when everyone around us is being mean and be kind when everyone else around us is being mean. Help us to see the goodness in people even when it's not evident. Help us to be faithful friends that show up when people need us. Help us to be gentle when we need to be gentle and help us to have self-control. God, help us grow the fruit of your spirit in our lives so that we can look more like you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. 